Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, government denies allegations of a grand scheme to remove the IGP, Dr. George Ekufo Dampari. We'll be hearing more on that leaked audio that is causing a stir around the country. Also coming up, James Jachi Kwesin, the Member of Parliament for Asin North, to start going to court daily following the dismissal of his application to stop SIM by the High Court today. And later on Eyewitness News, one of the persons seeking to hold the flag of the new Patriotic Party, former Press Secretary, former General Secretary, Kobnai Japan, launches his campaign. And he says, let's not present people who contributed to current economic crisis that is his proposal. Steve, 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Finance Minister Kendo Ferriata impressed with the country's progress so far towards economic recovery. That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and City TV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations in the Northeast region. We are on SCAP 101.3 FM in Nakwanduri. We are also on Source 100.1 FM in Boku in the Upper East Region. We are on Westlink 88.3 FM in Laura. We are in the Northern Region on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. We are on Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya and Global 105.1 FM in, in Ho. Both are in the Volta Region. We are also in the Ashanti Region on Alpha Radio 104.9 in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also. In Kumasi, in half region, we are on Hammers Radio 106.5 in Gorso and Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani in the Bono region. In the Western region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. All of them in Takradi. We are live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook, we are live on citynewsroom.com, and we are interactive on WhatsApp 0549 986. 996-0549-986-996. You can also go on Twitter and drop a message there using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. Let's start off with an audio that has been making the rounds since morning. It has um, voices of three persons. One of them believed or alleged to be a commissioner of police at the police headquarters, COP George Alex Mensah. Another voice believed or suspected to be that of Daniel Bugrinabu, former Northern Regional Chairman of the New Patriotic Party, a member of the Council of Elders of the party. And then there's a third person whose identity, well, at least based on the people who are circulating the audio, has not been known or made known yet. A lot of things said in that audio. Shortly, I'll be helping you unpack the things that have been said in the audio. Wilson Kobner, uh, Kobner Wilson 
is um, um, one of my producers here on Eyewitness News, and he's joining me in studio now uh, so that we talk briefly about um, the issues that are arising uh, from that. Komna, um, it's a 50-plus minute audio uh, that is in the circulation. Um, what are some of the things that are coming out of that? Um, the persons we are hearing, we are told is a commissioner of police, uh, we're also hearing as an Ebu Abu. These are our allegations. We do not have any proof of same. In this era of doctored audios, it could be anything at all. But what what were the persons talking about? <clears throat> okay, so Sandra, um, basically they were having a conversation. It appears they were having a discussion in the home of one of the uh, two people on the on the audio. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said earlier, it's alleged that one of them is um, Bugin Abu and the other one is the Commissioner of Police. Um, and the claims that the police officer is allegedly had saying is that, um, uh, what, what's his name? Dampari, the current IGP, George mm. Kufu Dampari, mm-hmm. must be removed because he is not likely to allow the party to rig the 2024 elections. And also he's, he claims that he's been an NDC um, person, your former president, Mills's, um ADC, and uh, so many allegations. That so he's NDC and not and NDC. And so he's NDC, and then he won't, uh, he's not going to allow the you know, a party to have their way. And, he, and then he goes on to say that um, the, current, um, the security uh, measures that were put in place during the recent by-election in Asen North is a testament to his, his claims because the way he managed to you know, police the ballots and al- didn't allow anybody to misbehave during that by-election is evidence that he's not going to allow anybody to misbehave during the 2024 elections. And then he says that he's, he's, he allegedly claims that he told the president, uh, because he refers to the president as a big man, mm-hmm. and that they don't listen to him. And before Dampai was appointed, he complained about Dampai's posture and how um, firm he, he is, but they didn't listen to him. And so this is... And he said that because he was also... They would say that he's angling for the same for, job. For the same, for the same job. So and that's he, why he's saying the yeah, things he's he goes saying. on to say that, um, well, his time is up. He is retiring. And so even if he's not going to be given the job, there are other people who can be given the job who are MPP and will do the bidding of the party. And and so that's that's basically what he said on the tape. I see. Now, have we made efforts to hear from these people who have been named as being the voices or the, the persons behind their voices? Okay, so we've, we've called both of them. We, okay. we first spoke to um, the police commissioner, and he told us that we can quote him on air. But mm-hmm. he's not willing to talk on air, but he claims that that's not his voice. So he says that's George Alex Mensah, that, that, George the Alex COP. Mensah, yes, the COP, yeah. But he claims that's not his voice. Okay. He says um, he was also told about the audio recording this morning. He's not... He's not the one. He's not the one. Okay. He doesn't know where it's coming from. He doesn't know whose voice it is. Okay. And he told us that we can go on air and say that that's not his voice. But okay. he's not willing to, to go on, on, on air and talk about it. And the second person? And the second person is Brugin Abu. We called him and he said he doesn't know what they are talking about. He doesn't know who the person is. He doesn't know of the voice. He, he doesn't know who the voice belongs to. That's not him. So he just cut the call. So both of them have denied, they both denied that they, that's yes, their voice. They both denied, yeah. They both that denied. notwithstanding, the voice is in circulation. It's in circulation. It's all over the place. It's all over social media. We've had some um, government appointees who have responded to it. And we have some voices that will play well. Mm. And so um, the Ambrosdary, the Interior Minister has responded to it. Um, minority has responded to it. So I mean, it's in circulation. It's all mm. over the place. I see. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Kobna Wilson, one of my producers here on Eyewitness News, uh, just sharing with us what we have and what we know so far on that audio. However, there are reactions like Wilson has said. The Minister for the Interior, 
Ambrose Derry spoke to journalists today in Parliament to talk on a number of issues, including this particular audio. And this is what he said emphatically. Listen to him. I think you've watched progressively how the police have managed demonstrations up to now. I think we can be proud of Ghana's record. That the last time that there were injuries, 15 injuries, they were all police. 10 police men and 5 police women. I was at the control bridge and listening to the commands that were being given. This person is down. They say, yes, it's down, but no little use. Stick to your order. Hold yourselves. Second is down. Third is down. Fifteen are down. But I think that since then, you can realize that, that we, we allow people to demonstrate and go to the work. Now, I think that we've come along with having to At a certain stage, people were thinking that, oh, we couldn't trust the, the, the police. But now you see, the, you feel the, the, the presence of police. And I think the last election that came, at least our friends on the other side said they have confidence in the police. And of confidence in the EC. I think we're making progress, are we not? And so that's our side. But as far as the IGB is concerned, he's for operational matters, and I haven't found anything that he's done that has contradicted that. What we are still doing is we are expanding the police you know, presence countrywide. It's beginning of the second when we came in, it was 43% coverage. Now we are moving forward. We are creating more divisions, creating more with the approval of the police council, and they, we are equipping them. But just one thing, my dear members of the media, uh, it seems to me, we know that there are challenges in this country about land guards. We know that. We used to say we're shying away from it. We're confronted, and now there are issues. When the police go out and there's any problem, the police itself investigates itself and seeks to make sure that all who were in operation did the right thing. We are working on the body counts, which will let us know exactly what each policeman has done because of police accountability. And yet, when we go and have that, the next thing you say is investigation. Two weeks later, the police is killed. No investigation. At least, let's be balanced. We are going to investigate in each case and let the police do their work. I am confident. Yeah. Council, Council, it's interesting you talk about the land gas issue. That's, that's one of the cliffs on the team. And so it is your killing. What is it? Yes, that's the claim against the IDP that the police have now become trigger happy. How do you respond to this? <laughs> the police are professional. They go into an operation. And if you don't attack them, they don't return fire. Several occasions, we've had police have gone to place and disarm people with a fire gunshot. But when we move into a place and you fire at the police first, the police will take all the precautions and fire as is permitted within the law. We cannot allow this country to be run by armed bandits. If we did that, then we've lost it. So, but the police do not kill recklessly. They don't. And like I said, we investigate every case to make sure that things are done properly. So, finally, won't you take a closer look at this thing before you dismiss it? We've talked about the fact that there's nothing criminal in there so far. Uh, you say there's nothing criminal about it so far. Okay. I've only said that tapes and whatever, whatever you have will only be useful if they relate to crime. 
but otherwise we don't know. But having made that positive determination that this is criminal or not, will you take um, a closer look? A closer look at what? At the thing, and then come to a firm conclusion as to whether there's something to. Do you have something that you have seen that you want to ask me? Then ask no, we've heard, we've heard, yes, we've heard about attempt to tamper. Yeah. With the outcome of the 2024 elections, that government is planning to win, <laughs> and because of that, you want to take that. Please, money. please, 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 let me make it absolutely clear that this government is not going to temper with 2024 election. Number one, our president does not want to stay on, stay one more hour beyond his tenure. No. Number two, we are making sure that we have free and fair election. You have been in this country and you've had several uh, 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 by-elections. The by-elections under this system are the most peaceful by-elections that we've had. I had to go to Chiripone where people were shot in the head. And we said, went to Atua, uh, Tallency, where they were throwing stones. But now you go to a by-election and everybody relaxed. People are allowed to go about voting uh, peacefully. And I am saying that those who did not believe in the system now believe that they can count on the police in 2024. Haven't they said that? Yeah. They have said that, and, 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 and rightly so. And so as far as we move, and I'm also happy that at last they have said that the EC did a good job, because I can assure you that this country would not allow anybody to or shot because of vote at all. Yes. I remember when I appeared before the public and they were talking about shooting. Who are we shooting? Our children? No, we're not going to do that. So I can assure you that I serve a president who is committed and has respect for human rights. And we will make sure 2024 is peaceful. And for those theories about, we can imagine things. We have rich imaginations. One thing is certain 2024 not be a violent election by anybody and no one will want to thwart the will of the people. If you vote as in, you vote as in. If you vote outside, you vote out. And we went to ISOLO in October of 2012. And then good luck said, ah, you have a member, a member of parliament. Which side are you? I said minority. He said Ghanaians. How much do you lose the vote by? He said it's not possible anywhere. But we took it here. We let the first round, second round, we lost by the thinnest margin. We there is journalism in Parliament today. Now, on that particular issue, the minority in Parliament is urging the government to thoroughly investigate the leaked tape. Speaking to journalists, the ranking member of the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament, James Agauga, said, "Until now, I, 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 I have never known that we have NDC IGPs, MPP IGPs. I've never known that." What I do know is that the IGPs are supposed to be professional. They rise through the rank. And if there is a vacancy, the president exercises his power to appoint an IGP. But when the president appoints some, an officer as GP, that person doesn't become a party IGP, an MPP IGP, or an NBC IGP this for the first time on the audio that somebody is not an MPP IGP and so they should bring on board an MPP IGP if not election 2024 is going to be difficult for them 
Is that a confirmation that Techiman was manipulated with the collusion of our security services? Is that an admission on the part of Alex Mesa? What does he know about the killings in Techiman? Did he know or have something to do with Ayawasuwa's uh, uh, work on by-elections? So the said officer needs to be seriously interrogated. And if it is the authenticity of that audio is established, then he must be charged. His actions, the actions of the one behind that audio, for me, passes for treason. And this matter must be dealt with as such. It passes for treason. It is an attempt to subvert the will of the Ghanaian people in 2024. The ramifications can be very dire. Such conduct can compromise the security of our country. Because if the people exercise their sovereign will in 2024, and anybody attempts to stand in the way of the people, Clearly, that would be recipe for chaos because we're not going to allow that to happen. The sovereign will of the people will be respected at all costs. The Interior Minister says government has no plans. The NPP has no intention of rigging the 2024 election. So, therefore, dismiss whatever might have been we uttered. We will not dismiss what has been said. The revelations in that audio are very serious. And so, for me, rather than dismiss what is contained in the audio, I think I would urge the Interior Minister to take steps, and very quickly, to get to the bottom of the matter. The person suspected to have uh, uh, been responsible for that audio needs to be investigated. And called out, if, 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 if it turns out that, yes, indeed, he's the one who is behind the audio, he needs to be dealt with, he's not above the law. He must be dealt with, interdicted. That is what we're expecting to hear, put before an investigative body. And if it is established that he is the one who uttered those words, and all those who were involved, as one allergy, who is that? They must establish his identity and prefer charges if it is established that they are the ones who actually sat down to plot such an evil agenda against the sovereign will of the people. Ambrose Derry says Dampar is not going anywhere. He's happy with his performance. That's to put matters to rest. Oh? Well, he is the interior minister. He's not the appointing authority. I think that the audio should not even serve as a basis or for us to assess the performance or otherwise of Dampare. That for me is irrelevant. What is of relevance to me is the attempt to subvert the will of the, the sovereign will of the Ghanaian people. That for me is the point of relevance. So it's neither here nor there to say Dampare is not going anywhere. How about those who are pro subvert the will of the people? We should be concerned about that. You mean the region? Absolutely. We should be concerned about that. Because the very survival of our democracy is dependent upon how transparent our national elections are.
And so if there is an attempt to, to, to wreak and to undermine the sovereign will of the people, well, that should be, I mean, a matter that uh, should be treated with a certain degree of seriousness. You don't just sweep these things under the carpet. This audio must be thoroughly investigated. And I was expecting that the minister would have spoken, I mean, and, and given us the assurance that they are going, by now, Alex Mensah should have even been invited, invited, interdicted. And then investigations will commence in earnest. Anything short of that is untenable. This is not the time to do an assessment of uh, uh, the performance or otherwise of Dampari. Some people are caught on audio saying that if somebody is not removed as an IGP, election 2024 will be difficult for them. Who are those? James Agaga is member of parliament for Bulsa South. He's a former deputy minister for the interior and a ranking member on the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament. Speaking there to that uh, audio which is in circulation, uh, which audio um, is supposed to be or purported to be that of a commissioner of police uh, who is making statements about the Inspector General of Police and talking about how professional he's acting and which uh, professionalism would affect the governing party. Uh, the person who is uh, believed to be in there has denied that when we called him. Uh, both persons, actually, uh, we've called them up and they said it is not true. The Minister for Interior says we should ignore uh, all the claims that have been made. Uh, the, the, the government of Akufuado is a respecter of the law and that the 2024 general election would be conducted in a peaceful manner. Uh, but let's speak, get more views on this particular subject. Um, the member of parliament for Wild West is Peter Lanchini-Tobo. Before he became MP, he was uh, an executive secretary at the office of the Inspector General of Police. He's joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Well, Mario, my brother, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, how, how political is the IGP's office? And I'm referring to the person towing the lines of the appointing party. Does that come up? I know that it may be naive for me to say it doesn't, but how bad is it? You have worked there before. Thank you very much. Let me say good evening to our cherished listeners. The Inspector General of Police is a political appointee. And people always expect him to be very partisan. But being political is different from being partisan. The office of the Inspector General of Police is not supposed to be a partisan office. You can be politically conscious, but you cannot be partisan because you serve the Ghanaian people who belong to very different political parties. So when you are appointed Inspector General of Police, fortunately, there is a system in place. The police is a whole society. It has rules and regulations that governs your own behavior. You cannot be capricious you cannot just be lawless. You have to operate within the rules and regulations. And one single statement you will learn in the IGB's office as Inspector General of Police is that police take lawful orders. The police take lawful orders. So when you are issuing orders yourself as Inspector General of Police, those orders must be in line with the law. If you issue any instruction that is capricious in nature and goes against the law, you will only hear yes, sir. But behind the scenes, they will never do what you want them to do because that will go against the spirit and letter of the law. 
which means that people can rebel against the IGP if they discover that the IGP is not acting in the interest of the nation. It is not possible for you to actively rebel against the IGP. But there's a lot of passive resistance in the system if they realize that you are overly partisan and you are not professional enough. You will find men and women in uniform who will make the order serious. And gradually you will lose legitimacy and you will not be credible enough. And actually you can't even enjoy being IGP. Because the power of the IGP is in your professionalism. That when you raise your finger and make a statement, it resonates with the whole system. Because they know that this will inure to the benefit of the country, Ghana. If not, you will say it, people will hear it, you can scream at the top of your voice, but at the end of the day you realize that what you want people to do, they are actually doing the opposite. And the opposite is in line with the law. This audio has not been authenticated, but we are told it's a commissioner of police. That is like the the first level before or below the IGP or the last level before the Inspector General of Police. All these COPs or commissioners are potential IGPs. If what we should be hearing is believable, then it means that the top hierarchy of the Ghana Police Service is divided on partisan lines. And this person who we've heard in that audio is very unhappy with the actions of the current Inspector General of Police. How should he be dealing with the content of this audio? I mean, Dr. George Kufodampari. Thank you very much. In my own opinion, I think this video is below Dr. Akufudampari to respond. Why am I saying this? As a political appointee, all the commissioners at the top, the police management board, each individual in there has a sub-heart towards a particular political party. But when you wake up in the morning and you wear the uniform, the uniform covers your political, your partisan interests. And when you get into the office, as much as you believe that you wish a particular party is the one in power, the people of Ghana have decided on the particular party in power. And your job in the uniform is to provide service to the Ghanaian people, including the politicians you support or don't support. So when you are a member of the police management board, dreaming to become IGP, unfortunately it's just a single position in the police service, and every commissioner dreams to occupy that position. That inherent competition, that inherent fight is there. The tough war is there. The lobbying is there. But you make sure that you do it so decently. And that is what we call ethical lobbying. What we've gotten from this audio is dastardly, is disgraceful, is shameful, and that is very unethical. If we give an ear to such things, we will destroy the police institution. And democracy is flourish so much with stronger police institutions. If we destroy the police institution, our democracy will have no future. What should government do? Simply ignore and say we've moved on because it's not been authenticated and uh, we trust the IGP, we're working with him. Or, like James Agaga, your colleague is in there, there's the need to probe this further, even though we've contacted the two persons who are suspected to be in the audio and they both said that it is not their voice. Thank you very much. I am saying it's below the IGP, and I think that um, if somebody is lobbying to occupy the position of IGP, and for that matter, he's trying to do all kinds of things that will let them fire the IGP, and it becomes public knowledge, it means that the trap has been um, revealed, and it's no longer a trap. So for me, I think that as a nation, let's let it slide. Whatever is behind this is a shame, but let's let it go, because we shouldn't waste precious time investigating unethical stuff that has the potential to dent our democracy, when in fact it has been revealed 
and they can no longer do it. They cannot convince the president that Dr. Akufo-Dampare is not partisan enough. He is not supposed to be partisan. And let no politician deceive himself that when the IGP is partisan enough, it will inure to the benefit of your political party. I can give you examples. In the year 2000, President Rawlings appointed an IGP. The IGP was in office, but President Rawlings' party, the NDC, lost elections. In 2008, President Kufo appointed the then IGP. He was then in office. President Kufo's party, Nana Akufuado, then candidate Akufuado, lost the elections. In 2016, President John Dramana Mama was the, the person who appointed the then IGP. He lost the elections, and the party went into opposition, and the IGP was there. It is not the duty of the IGP to facilitate political victory for the appointing party. That is not right, and the IGP cannot even do it. The rules and regulations cannot even allow him to be openly partisan and still survive as a professional police officer. Thank you for speaking to us, and uh, please keep doing your job, sir. Almost grateful. Thank you. That's a former police officer, a member of parliament for... Wa West, the Honorable Peter Lanchini Tobu. Let's hear from a security analyst now. Emmanuel Kotin is a security analyst. He's joining us on the line. Say, so you welcome to Eyewitness News. And let me say that this audio has not been authenticated. We have called the two persons they've denied. But the fact that it is in the media and circulating and people are sharing it on all the social media platforms means it's something that we should be interested in considering that it affects the office of the IGP. How should we be dealing with this audio? Should it be disregarded? Or there are elements in there that should be considered, in your view, sir? Mara, thank you for having me, and good evening to your very cherished listeners. And very good evening to my good brother, Superintendent Retired Tobu. In fact, we should be very interested in this audio. That is why I found the statement by the Minister of Interior uh, sort of distancing himself from such an audio, even impugning that he is only interested in a criminal matter. What could be criminal more than an audio of this nature that seeks to destabilize the, the, the state? So I think that we should be very interested in this audio. You see, as always, when things like this happen, we want to do politics with it. But it goes beyond that. If you look at the content of the audio, we should be interested uh, by digging and investigating to get to the bottom of the matter. Because the issues raised on that audio has serious security implications. It is public knowledge that the politicians have hold on our security agencies. And if we are not interested uh, interested in investigating audios of this nature, it gives credence to such uh, perception. And you know what a perception can do? To me, the Minister for Interior it doesn't lie with him to say he's happy with the work of the IGP and the IGP is not going anywhere. He has no input as far as the selection of the IGP is concerned. Even he sits as a minister of interior, he has no guarantee over that seat. 
So I think that we should be very interested in this audio. Omaro, you know, we joke with our democratic institutions. I have been calling for an independent police commission. Look at a, 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 a scenario of this nature. A senior police officer talking to a political operative on the need to remove no mean a person than the IGP. And that the investigative power which institution is better placed to investigate this case? So you see that the call for an independent police institution, uh, uh, commission is growing louder. There's another school of thought, and in security, that is permitted. There's also another school of thought that the current IGP, uh, after the assumption of elections and Buhaha, and the aftermath, what happened? Some political operatives are bent on removing him. So this audio could be made to court sympathy in the eyes of the good people of this country to cow the politicians from carrying out their uh, threat of removing him from office. None of the two we can discount. The only way the good people of this country can know is commencing an investigation into this matter. And the Minister of Interior should be interested in investigating an audio of this nature and not wishing it away. All right. The other angle that you may not have mentioned is that this could be a doctored audio. In the world that we live in, where artificial intelligence is doing so many things, this could have been a simply computerly programmed voice that we are hearing, uh, which is intended to cause a certain uh, intention or have a certain impact. And so if we are to investigate every leaked audio, we'll be chasing the wind, wouldn't we? we wouldn't we? No, Omaru, the third angle you mentioned with artificial intelligence satisfied the two scenarios. In that the first scenario could be indeed such a conversation happened. And the second scenario being that, indeed, someone be threatened by his job could uh, uh, hire people to use artificial intelligence to bring out an audio of this nature to cow the appointing authority from carrying out his threat. So to that extent, to me, the first two scenarios hold. The third one will be the foundation of these two scenarios, Omaro. So either way, there should be an investigation. That's right. We are in the we are in democracy. The good people of this country ought to know. And look, names were mentioned in this audio. You cannot just put an audio, concocted or otherwise, and the only way. I've denied it. So, thanks, we are not in a serious society. Any serious and progressive society will take this kind of thing very serious and investigate. It's only investigations that can unravel the authenticity or otherwise of the audio. We cannot just wish it away and cry foul because 
artificial intelligence are bound and can do A or B, Omaro. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. Most grateful. That's Emmanuel Kutin. He is a security analyst. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we return with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Let's do some more stories. The minority in parliament today boycotted sittings for the second time due to the trial of the Asin North Member of Parliament, James Jachi Kwesin. The High Court today delivered a ruling on the application for stay of proceedings in the case involving the Asin North legislator, James Jachi Kwesin. Lawyers for the embattled MP have moved an application for the court to stay proceedings to allow for the Court of Appeal to hear its appeal to review a decision by the trial judge to hear the case on a daily basis. Due to this, the minority caucus abandoned parliamentary proceedings to accompany its member to the court. Meanwhile, the majority leader, Oseche Mensabunsu, was forced to vary the order of business due to the absence of the minority MPs to ask questions scheduled for the ministers of Chieftaincy and Religious Affairs and Gender, Children and Social Protection. I guess we have to have some discussions on the way forward about those questions. Uh, the people to ask the questions are not available. The ministers have come to the house, but the persons who ask those questions are not available. So as I'm saying, subsequent to this, we may have to meet and then decide the way forward with such questions, especially as those, the responses have been given. But uh, it cannot be a decision by me alone, we have to have um, some determination made on that. So, Mr. Speaker, I believe we can now go to the presentation of papers. You heard Majority Leader Oseche Mensa Bunsu, the Member of Parliament for Okaikwe Central, Patrick Yabwama, is appealing to the minority to rescind its decision to boycott business activities in Parliament due to the prosecution of its members. Speaking to journalists, Patrick Yabwama says the minority must allow the legal counsel of Judge Kwesin to handle his prosecution while they attend to Parliament. It's a very unfortunate situation that... Um, we are going through, but the minority is exercising their rights under, under the laws to go and solidarize with our colleague, Honorable Kwesin, who was sworn in a week ago. I want to entreat the minority to reconsider their decision because Honorable Kwesin is duly represented by very experienced lawyers who can fight his case for him. It's very important that we also get measured with what we do with regards to our responsibilities as members of parliament. And as duty demands of us, we ought to be in the chamber to represent the people who voted for us. Yes, you can show solidarity, but you should not forget about your responsibility as a member of parliament. So it's a right 
it's a caucus decision, it's a party decision. I respect that, but I'm entreating them that there ought to be a limit to what they do, especially when we have business on the floor to, to, to partake. The head member of parliament for Kankwe Central, Patrick Yao Buama. The Minister for Trade and Industry, KT Hammond, says he is not perturbed by a contempt charge brought against him by the Member of Parliament for Asin North, James Jachi Kwesin. Mr. Kwesin has filed the suit at the High Court to get the court to punish KT Hammond for making what he deemed prejudicial comments in an ongoing case against him. According to Mr. Quayson's lawyers, Mr. Hammond, in a media interview, accused their client of being guilty of the case he's standing trial for and stated that he will go to jail. His member of parliament, Fadansiasqua, who doubles as the Minister for Trade and Industry, reacting to the suit. Well, how do you respond? That what, what I was supposed to comment is that you go to jail. To what what is, uh, I'm not sure if those lawyers understand yeah. what precedent is. But I think I predicated my statement for the fact that there is what in legal terms called the precedent. So I'll meet him in court. Mm. I, I received it. I received it. Yeah. They uh, substituted on me. They played the game on me to serve me uh, with the document. But I mean, why would they have to do that? I accepted it. Yeah, I mean, someone is accompanying a publication that accompanied it. It is. I made a statement here in Parliament. If they want to take me up in court, yes, of course. I mean, this matter has ended up. So what was the big deal about it? Katie Hammond is MP for Adansiasukwa and Minister for Trade and Industry. Now, members of the College of Education Teachers Association have declared their intentions to lay down their tools from August 1. The association explains that this has become necessary following the failure of government to implement conditions of service agreed upon earlier this year. The president of CTAG, Prince Obinghema, tells City News, the current economic situation makes it impossible for members to survive the current payment plan. We are stuck at the finance ministry to have used the month of May to gather the necessary documents on the personnel to be paid so that by June it will have been paid. It wasn't paid in uh, June as well. And we are in July. Uh, I mean, can you imagine the fact that when this thing has not been paid, what it means is that we are still living on the expired 2021 conditions of service. And in the biting economy that we all find ourselves in, it, it's simply impossible to do that. How do you, do you fuel your car? With the same amount of uh, poor allowance that we're being given in 2021, when we are in 2023 and things have quadrupled and stuff like that. So that's why we're saying that knowing processes that we go through before salary payments are done at the end of the month, around this time is when controller finance, they are putting their things together. They have to work very fast so that they pay it at the end of the month. And we have also used this golden opportunity to raise issue about the all-year-round uh, I mean, killer program that we have when teachers do not rest at all. Money is not everything in the world. We are simply saying that if we are even going to be compensated with all the money in the country, we won't participate in the all-year-round teaching. We want the system to adopt the in-out-out-in approach so that all the students, cohorts of students will be on campus, they'll finish the academic year, and then there will be that mandatory intersemester uh, break for the teachers to rest. So that wouldn't die before our natural death. Mr. Benhima added that government has till the end of the month to act. Considering the drama we had to go through before the, the, the I mean, negotiation even ended, 
we are always suspecting that there is that deliberate feed dragging by government agencies because negotiation that ought to have been completed within six years. We finish after a year plus. It took National Labor Commission to bring us on board. And when we have finished, simply, I mean, authorizing payment for the payment to be effected, it's also taking months. So if you have all these things to deal with, we have no option than to think that it's deliberate. We wait until the last day of uh, July so that if we are not paid, then uh, we have already commenced the processes by authorizing our lawyers to write to the National Labor Commission in performance of the labor laws so that uh, we would have uh, done the needful in the face of the law by July, I mean, 31st, if we are not paid. So we withdraw our services until such a time that uh, the conditions of service are paid, until such a time that uh, the all-year-round compensation for the teachers, uh, you know, it's also paid until such a time that we'll have a clear roadmap as to which uh, academic calendar we are pursuing 2023-2024, and then we'll be clear in our minds that the teachers are going to have the mandatory inter-semester break. Prince Obinghima is president for the College of Education Teachers Association. Now, the Coalition of Individual Bondholders Group suspended its intended picketing at the premises of the Finance Ministry earlier today following the government's payment of outstanding principals and coupons. The group, however, says it will resume picketing if the government fails to implement the terms of a memorandum of understanding signed on the 16th of May 2023. The government, in a statement last night, said it has settled all outstanding principals and coupons owed individual bondholders up until June 19. It also revealed that instructions have also been sent for the payment of coupons which were due on July 10. Meanwhile, convener of the Pensioner Bondholders Forum, Dr. Duanani Entry, says he hopes government will honor its promise. As at the time we had our last picketing, there were seven outstanding coupons. The government started paying and so we suspended the picketing. However, government paid only six out of the seven. The one that was not paid was due on the 26th of June. On the 3rd July, another one became due. But we still uh, said we were going to give government some time, even though government has assured us that it was going to prioritize the payment of these coupons. Another one became due yesterday, making it three outstanding now. We're monitoring the situation, believing that government will pay will not allow it to be there for long. Otherwise, if it was going to be mounting, otherwise I was going to be part of the coupons remaining unpaid, we are going to uh, look at returning to the picketing grounds. Fortunately, yesterday, a statement that was issued by government in response to the intended picketing by the other individual uh, bondholders group, government has stated in the statement that it had uh, giving instruction for the payment of these three outstandings. That being the case, we know that the three are going to be paid. And we are hoping that the ones that will become due from next Monday, the assurance government has given that it is going to prioritize a payment, that assurance would, would, would be followed through for these payments to be done as soon as they are due. So let's see what will happen going into uh, next week and, and the coming weeks. 
Dr. Eduana Nienchi is the convener of the Pensioner Bondholders Forum. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Eno Safu. Let's settle for the details. Finance Minister Kendo Furiata has expressed satisfaction with the level of progress achieved towards economic recovery. The local economy is currently revamping from its worst economic crunch in decades, which saw a major depreciation of the city and inflation hitting record levels. However, after a $3 billion bailout from the IMF, the economy is slowly bouncing back. Speaking on the sidelines of the second investor conference of the Ghana Trade First Site Redevelopment Project, Finance Minister Ken Uferiata expressed confidence in the swift recovery of Ghana's economy given the positive gains made so far. It's been a very difficult period. As you know, July last year, um, as a country, uh, we're really unsure of the direction that we're going to be going. Um, clearly, we all work very hard and by May 17th, we had received the, the fund approval. But there's going to be continuing sacrifices because liquidity is a problem. Um, and we must, as a nation, as I mentioned, uh, begin to understand and speak one language. In this period in which we are trying to rebuild, um, to get back into sort of stability. As you can see, um, there's quite a bit of um, confidence uh, coming in. Uh, inflation, of course, was 50-something percent last year. is coming down. A bit stability in the currency, which is good for us um, in terms of the reserves. That has also been good. Uh, the growth rate was 4.2 percent. That was higher than we expected, which is indicative. And then the banks, too, the first quarter had very good results. Um, so it's really an issue of um, all of us understanding the crisis and somehow managing of the liquidity we have as we grow it up. But the key to that really in the end is a, a strong support for private sector so that the transformation beyond macro stability will happen. That was Finance Minister Ken Ofuriata. A fiscal policy specialist, Dr. Alex Ampaving, is advocating for the restructuring of state interest and governance authority to ensure it delivers on its mandate as a regulator. According to him, a scale-up in the operations of SIGA will enhance the output of the various state-owned enterprises as government grapples with revenue mobilization. Dr. Alex Ampaving spoke at a business forum in Accra. We need that kind of massive private control with a minimal state ownership. We need the government to go out, but crucially, in reforming the SOEs, I will suggest one thing. We need to reform SIGA. The whole conversation also said with SIGA. SIGA is there as a regulator for all the state-owned enterprises. SIGA bosses will come on the TV and the radio and say, no SOE has published financial statement, no. yet the SOE bosses are driving the V8, which me and you, our taxes are funded. So it goes to the point that SIGA has to be fully restructured. And part of the ownership should be, SIGA should not be something that, again, the politicians appoint. SIGA should be like PIAC. If you really want a SIGA to work, then we need a PIAC model of SIGA. 
which has a state interest and therefore civil society, academia, clergy, the chiefs, come back to form SIGA and then appoint their leadership. That was fiscal policy specialist Dr. Alex Amparving. Former Minister of Food and Agriculture Dr. Fria Kuto has bemoaned the lack of lending credit to farmers. According to the MPP flagbearer Hopeful, the current situation is inimical to the development of the sector. Speaking to the media, the NPP flagbearer Hopeful Dr. Akutu Afriye said a major push of the agricultural sector will be beneficial to stabilizing the economy. There's a very clear case of shortage of agricultural credit. The banks are not lending. At the last count, only 3.1% of total uh, agricultural credit, uh, total credit in the lending by the banks went to agriculture. And even then, most of that is for cocoa purchases, not real production or, or marketing or, or processing. So we have, when I left, we had this uh, discussion that I brought to cabinet so that legislation can be put in place. Uh, we're discussing with the bankers and so on how to factor that legislation to ensure that the banks actually lend to support farmers in the work that they do. In addition to that, there's, uh, I left in my office the Horticultural Development Authority and then the Poultry Development Authority. These two were in the pipeline and I'm hoping that they will come into uh, eventually travel through the system to go to parliament for the creation of these institutions which will then drive the development of the various subsectors of agriculture to transform this country into a, a country, a first world country, by generating more than enough foreign exchange and local uh, revenue to fund our development. Dr. Akuto Afriye is a former Greek minister and an NPP flag bearer hopeful. Now, the Treasury market is reported to have exceeded its financing target for the first quarter of 2023. This is coming at a time when new short-term debts surpassing over 13 billion Ghana cities in the first half of 2023 were issued. However, demand for Treasury bills eased in the second quarter after experiencing a surge in the first quarter driven by attractive yield levels and market uncertainties. However, in a City Business News interview, financial analyst with GCB Capital, Courage Butia Pines, that in the second half of the year, the Treasury market will continue to present mixed performance until government is able to strategically address its debt issues. In the second half of the year, we are expecting the government to revise its budget uh, to reflect some of the savings it made, or reduce the deficits to be financed. And then there is also the talk of external debt restructuring, second leg of domestic debt restructuring. When they finish all of that, it reduces the interest obligation or debt service obligation they immediately face, and the savings from there can begin to be channeled into uh, financing of the budget or into other activities that will reduce borrowing and lose on the short end of the market. The hope also is that the World Bank has promised some money uh, as part of the program. The AFDB will do something similar. A number 
couple of other development partners will come to with some funding uh, for the program going forward. And so the expectation is that when those loans start coming in, it will reduce the need to do short-term borrowing. It is then that we'll begin to see yields begin to trend down. Uh, but between now and then maybe end of uh, quarter three going into quarter four, because we have accepted significantly higher than the issuance size or the rollover target for each of the auctions in the first half of the year, we now have larger target sizes. That was financial analyst with GCB Capital, Courage Booty. The Cybersecurity Authority, in collaboration with the Bank of Ghana and the Economic and Organized Crime Office, has arrested 420 suspects on Monday, July 10, when it launched a swoop as part of a joint cybersecurity committee operation. This is coming at a time when there have been several reports in the media of activities of some online loan operators who resort to death shaming of defaulters. Other actions of the operators of these apps include cyberbullying, extortion, abuse of data and privacy, and at worst, death threats. Well, that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Inna Safu. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umar Sanda. Tonight on Point Blank, the new patriotic party is looking for a flag bearer into election 2024. Ten members of the party have filed nominations to replace Nonado Dankwakufuado on the ballot. Tonight, Kwabnai Jepon was press secretary under the John Kufo government, who was the party's general secretary, launched his campaign in Accra. And he says, anyone who is uh, responsible or part of the economic crisis should not be the one to be made to lead the party into the next election. At the launch, and I'll be sharing with you some of the things he said, but one of the key persons that we saw on the screens attending the launch was a respected economist and member of the New Patriotic Party, Kwame Pienim, who's joined us on the line now. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
Thank you very much. We saw you on the TV, uh, a front row that is, um, at Kwabena Japan's launch of a campaign today. Is that to be interpreted to mean you have endorsed him and you are part of his campaign? Look, the role of political parties is to groom uh, people for leadership, is to present uh, ideas, to win elections so that political parties can take power and implement their policies. As uh, some of us uh, foundation members of the party, uh, and I hope the founding members of the party and all the elders will support all the 10 uh, people who are offering themselves as flag bearers. I was there to encourage Fabna. Uh, that's like I'm encouraging all the others to come out and sacrifice uh, to lead the nation. It's not easy uh, to be a flag bearer. These young people are going to go out into the country and spread the message of the party. They are the ones who are going to energize the people at the party base, hopefully give them confidence uh, not to lose confidence in the political system is the only thing we have to go and fight and preserve the democratic dispensation, free press, civil liberties that we want at the hard cost uh, to a lot of people. Yes, I was there to support Governor Ejen Japan, just like I support all the other men uh, to go out. It is not for me to select the flag bearer, nor is it for the 900 uh, superdelegates who are supposed to send their number down to five in case there are more than five, uh, so that the 220,000 delegates from the polling station, the grassroots members, that's their job. They will meet at the appropriate time and select one of them. And I hope that when they select one, all the others will rally behind uh, them. And it's good that the party elders do not take part in uh, supporting one or two, but support all of them so that the task of uniting the party to face uh, the other party during the general election will be easier. Uh, so that's why I was there. I was there to encourage, just like I will attend the launch of all the others if they invite me. I see. All right. That, that's clear. But it's interesting that he talks about the economy, which is really the big issue moving into election 2024. And he says that anyone who was involved in the economic challenge we have now, or anyone who may have contributed to our economic downturn should not be considered. Uh, I believe, as someone who understands our economy more than many in this country, you have a view on that, the state of our economy and how we can get out of it, and whether it's a political will that we need or an economic will. Uh, that's uh, uh, not the main uh, message of coming. Answer the question after the question I've been put in three times. Look, the system we run, the president is the chief executive, is the captain of the team. You cannot have two captains on the field. So if you are in there, you are there to help the president implement his vision uh, and he selects the other team players. Okay, so I don't think it is fair 
to say that somebody had been part of it. We've all been part. I've been part. Kwabna uh, was part in the campaign to get Nana elected. So we've all been part. Uh, Ghanaian citizens, the majority of us voted for him. So we've all been part. Uh, so I think that when the person comes and says, give me the baton to be the leader, a leader is very different. You know, uh, any of them, if you pick them, uh, they might say, look, if I was the captain, I might not have done this or that. Uh, but uh, you don't stand in a crowded uh, theater and shout fire. You know, as a, a member of government, your job is to have your say a cabinet. And then uh, you let the president have his way, just like opposition members have their say, but they also should be matured enough to let the government have its way. That's the way we do it. So my attitude is uh, uh, very different. We encourage all of them uh, uh, to sell themselves and uh, not to talk about other people, you know, because it makes the work of the elders of the party easier when the candidate is selected to bring uh, all of them together behind uh, one candidate. You are an elder of the party. For you, the position is that no elder should support anybody because you are looking for peaceful cohesion and all of that. You saw the contest in 2007. You saw the consequence of that. The party thinks that the electoral college system, uh, which is the superdelegate system, is going to cure this problem. Are you really sure you can come out of this contest unscathed as a party? Sure. I mean, one thing good about... Uh, the NPP, is that we fight robustly to select a candidate. But once the candidate is selected, we all invariably come together to support uh, the candidate to win power so that we can implement. Look, the president is not just uh, for the personal aggrandizement of one person. It is to enable the party to implement uh, its policies, its ideologies. So any of the MPP candidates, as far as we are concerned, will perform better in terms of our philosophy and our outlook on life than anybody from the um, other side. You know, so I'm hoping it is a few members uh, who begin saying uh, this man is not part of us, this man is not part of us, and it's all part of looking for positions. The less people uh, you admit to be part of you, uh, the more your chances of getting a position. But uh, we passed it. We've now seen that we can have the men, but if we don't deploy uh, those who are uh, competent, uh, uh, men of, you know, uh, men of um, professional competence and also moral integrity, uh, we endanger the chances of the tradition. Uh, in the future, and I'm hoping that uh, the followers, you know, will adhere uh, to the advice of the elders who have seen it all. Uh, please don't take sides. Encourage all your children. They are all our children. We work with them, all of them. You know, uh, all of them. I work with all of them. All the uh, ten uh, candidates who want uh, the flag bearership. You know. Uh, we like them for uh, different areas, just like uh, as a father, 
I love all my children equally, and I. Uh, but you love them for different characteristics, different aspects of their life, you know. But you don't show one time that uh, you uh, prefer somebody to them. It can be traumatic, and it can be uh, highly devastating. You know, I saw it um, as a, a child, you know, growing up. Uh, so I, that's what I tried, and all of mm-hmm. us. It's difficult. But all of us should try. Mm. This, this point you made about the deployment and how carefully the deployment ought to be, so that even if you have the men, if you don't deploy them properly, you will see a problem. You reckon that that's what happened in this ca- current administration that the deployment was not properly done, and that is why we had the challenge we had. I think that that is the problem uh, of Ghana. You know, the uh, two political parties are very. Uh, pleased and excited when uh, uh, President John uh, Mahama said, for example, that the constitutional uh, provisions that make it difficult for Ghanaians with uh, dual citizenship, the Ghanaians in the diaspora, not to take certain uh, positions in Ghana, should be scrapped. It doesn't make sense. You know, it's ridiculous. Other countries in Europe uh, Benefit from uh, their citizens, you know, Soros and Hungary, a lot of them. Uh, even the present president of uh, Prime Minister of Israel, a lot of them, they have American citizenship. If you are in America, you are Ghanaian, and you don't have a green card, or you don't become a citizen, there are certain uh, opportunities you don't have, you know. But after somebody is working, they have a green, heart, green card, and there's access there. I say he cannot be chief of staff. He cannot be uh, a minister. He cannot go to parliament. What is that? The only thing that makes sense is only the president who signs agreement. So in America, they say, if you are not born in America, you cannot become president. But you can take any push. That makes it possible for us to use almost the 600,000 professionals and technicians and technocrats that we have started in the diaspora. Why are we trying to fly on one wing when we can fly on two wings? Uh, so I hope that the two major political parties will try to remove them. What secret we have that an American trained uh, army officer who retires from cannot be a CDN or IGP? Uh, I don't understand it. We have to give opportunity for this to come in. So it's a service. When people take political uh, power as a uh, coming to chop, then their attitude changes completely. It's service. If uh, a president was putting only his family members in uh, the cabinet and the and offices, and he viewed public service as a service, I don't mind if he's uh, risking uh, uh, or getting his family to sacrifice for the nation. But when people think that you know we are we are chopping power. You don't chop power. Power is an invitation to serve the people, to be servant, servant. Uh, as the Nigerians used to say, you know, they say, I'm a servant of the people, a, a servant president. That's what we need. Pres- servant public servant, selfless, dedicated, passionate about the poor. Mm. So when you take 10,000, 100,000 bribes and you go to the village and there's a school, no chairs for the children to sit on, and they are sitting on stools. 
I hope you have had blood pressure. Finally, sir, the economy has taken a hit. Your party campaigned on some lofty ideas. Are you sure it's going to be an easy campaign for you in 2024 because the economy is going to be the subject of debate? No, I hope that it's going to be difficult in uh, 2024. And this is why I applaud uh, the young people uh, who are brave enough to say we are prepared to sacrifice to go and take on this challenge. It's going to be very difficult to get the economy back. And not only to get it back, but to make sure that we put in place processes that make it difficult to go back to where we are. You know, uh, as I said at the launch, madness is defined as repeating the same process and expecting to get different results. If we don't change drastically how we develop, and as the Romans used to say, make haste slowly. We have to cut our coat according to our claw. And we have to make sure that the monies we get, we get value for money. And that all the uh, things we put together, procurement agency, value for money audit, we scrap all of them. Because it provides avenues for people to get, to just take money. And we need to get rid of incompetence and corruption. Those two are more important. The management of the economy is not too difficult if there is no corruption. Why was it possible for Kenoforiata uh, to borrow so recklessly? Every document was sent to Parliament. What were the 275 parliamentarians who pay for? What are they doing? Go and read the Financial Management uh, Act and the regulations that go with it. Every document should have gone with a financial analysis. And now, it seems after we've gone into the gutter, then all of us uh, realized there was something called debt sustainability. It should have been accompanied with every loan that we were borrowing. So parliamentarians failed this nation. They uh, accommodated all the borrowing. And all of us have to be able to serve our members, members of parliament to your job properly so that we don't get into this. So for me, failing corruption, incompetence, are more important. The direction of the economy, there's no uh, incompetence and corruption. Ghana has the men, both within Ghana and outside, to solve the problem. And those men are in your party, you believe? They are everywhere in Ghana. Very well. NTV has good, fine economies. We have some. It's a direction. Let's scale corruption. Let's scale incompetence in both parties. And I'm hoping that the Electoral Commission will become proactive in making sure that the political parties have good governance when we are having our elections that they make sure that there's an even playing field. They make sure that every member in a political party has an opportunity to pick their leader. So we should all move to one person, one vote. And the Electoral Commission can help us. They should better our constitution and those that are no democratic. Tell us to change them 
or sanctioning the parties. We cannot have political parties that do not obey their constitution, that do not uh, practice good governance processes, that are not transparent, that are not accountable, become governing parties, and all of a sudden, presto, they become accountable and uh, democratic. We cannot. We have to change that. That's why Kwabinet's uh, new dawn uh, resonates with a lot of uh, people. We need a new dawn for Ghana policy, where we change all those things. In both political parties, two major political parties. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. You're welcome, Alexander. That's, thank you Thanks. so much for speaking to us. That's Kwame Pienim. He is a respected economist and a member of the New Patriotic Party. He was at Kwabna Ejepon's launch, campaign launch today. Let's hear from Kwabna Ejepon himself now. Uh, the things he says to NPP members who he expects to vote for him. We must rise and save this country from further decline. Ghana must rise to the heights it should easily be capable of. Our forebears, steeped in historical struggles for freedom, were right when they said in striking construction, Odishie Ankwa, Akwa Jani. So Odishie Ankwa, Akwa Jani. We must put the nation on a war footing, rolling up our sleeves, restoring the culture of hard work, meritocracy and professionalism back to the workplace. We must unite as a party, more generally as Ghanaians, to lift our country up and achieve our dreams by instilling a renewed sense of urgency, vitality, passion, and patriotism back into our body politic. This new dawn must necessarily include a social chapter that emphasizes the civic responsibilities of we, the citizens, too. In this new dawn, I envision a Ghana that is economically robust, resilient, fiscally responsible, socially cohesive, and fully accountable to the good people of God. The new dawn is hinged on the following. One, a lean, wholly downsized government. One that works efficiently, effectively to deliver to the aspirations and expectations of the Ghanaian people. The ministries will be reconfigured to align with the constitutional cap of 19 cabinet to be assisted by an equal number of deputies in addition to the 16 in the regions making up a team of 54. Stakeholder consultations will be undertaken to introduce an upper limit of nine judges on our Supreme Court and possibly remove the retirement age of 70 and allow Supreme Court judges to serve until they are unable to perform their functions. Two, enforcing law and order, imposing discipline and ensuring compliance of rules and regulations, a zero-tolerance policy anchored on a drastic penalty regime coupled with a strong political will to punish those who tinker with our public treasury. The law should work and it should work to uproot corruption, protect individual rights and property rights. Three, cutting waste in the public sector by ensuring that there is value for money in public procurement. And here, 
I'll draw heavily on my considerable engineering background to facilitate the freeing up of vital resources to support the empowerment of the youth through technical education, entrepreneurship, and small business startups. Four, restore meritocracy and professionalism back to the civil and public services by significantly reducing unbridled politicization and interference. It is time to end the wasteful seminars, workshops, fora, and expensive retreats, and rather move into the implementation mode, utilizing recommendations of the huge volumes of reports that are gathering dust. Five, urban regeneration and renewal. And of course, with my background, this is very dear to my heart. The current urban ecosystem is dysfunctional. A structured, coordinated, and integrated approach must be adopted and implemented to create more livable cities and human settlements where basic needs do not become a permanent dream. A technical advocacy committee of the professional bodies within the built environment, I mean the surveyors, the planners, the architects, and my colleague engineers, will be set up to help resolve the challenges thereof. Six, entertainment and sports. In the creative arts, the issue of protection of intellectual property and copyright is very important. The creatives need to be empowered to own their own work and a decent living from their talent. It is a sector that has the potential to absorb our teeming youth, and it is my dream to see these creatives thrive in Ghana. My passion for sports is public knowledge. Nevertheless, Ghana cannot be the jack of all sports and master of none. Soccer, boxing, athletics will obviously be prioritized with a focus on school sports and cold soccer. We've got to revive the interest in our Premier League and restore the organic link that used to exist between our communities and traditional football teams. And of course, the all-important role of government in football administration in Ghana. I can see a bright future. We can create a competent state, one that works at pace, one that ensures compliance with rules and regulations and enforces its own regulations. The words of Kwabna J.J. Paul, former General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party, who is in the campaign to be flag bearer of the New Patriotic Party. Well, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. I did this with Enu Safo. My name is Umaru Sandamadu. Production by Beverly London, Sami Wiafi, and Kwabna Wilson. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. We'll return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Up next, Philip Kofi Ashon is in studio to bring you City Trends. Good night.
City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.